Hear now the word of God from St. Paul to the early church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 9. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this text. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. Come, lead us, shape this, that this may not be my word, but your word. Shape in your spirit. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Well, we've dropped into a rather significant shift point here in Paul's letter to these early Christians. Paul has been giving them instructions and telling them how to deal with issues that he's heard they have among themselves. I'm talking about lawsuits between them and sexuality and such. But here, he goes from giving them instructions, well, I should say right before this passage, he went from giving them instructions to defending his right to make a living doing so. But then, Paul pivots again and declares, actually, he's not exercising that right. He's not giving up the rights. He's just choosing not to exercise them. Paul wants to be able, as scholars point out, to face whoever is opposing him at Corinth with the boast that he's unselfishly serving them. He's getting street cred. Paul says he would rather die than give up his boast that the Corinthians didn't have to pay him. Call it apostolic street cred. And Paul's got it going on here. But that's where the boasting stops because just as quickly as Paul pivots from the right to make a living as a gospel preacher to boasting that, in fact, he's not doing that, he drops the idea of boasting like a hot potato and says, look, I'm boasting, he basically says this, look, I'm boasting about how I live out my call without expecting you to pay me. I'll boast about that, but as for the call itself, well, I'm not gonna boast about that. He says in verse 16, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. It's like Paul is saying, look, I have a choice when it comes to whether or not I, I get paid and get what I'm entitled to get as a preacher. I have a choice when it comes to exercising the rights I have to make a living. But I have no choice 
when it comes to whether or not I preach. I'm compelled. The Greek for compelled here is anake, which can be translated pressured or distressed. Now, if you have OCD like me, (laughs) this idea may trigger you, but don't let it. This is a theological, not a psychological matter. PET studies have shown that in obsessive compulsives, part of our brain actually overheats. Jeffrey Schwartz at UCLA has discovered this. You overheat part of your brain when you get, when you get an OCD loop. That, this is not that. <laughs> For Paul, it's not that he has an overheated brain, but he's got a fiery passion that God has laid on him. He's gotta do this. So Paul voluntarily gives up his rights to make a living by preaching the gospel. But Paul says preaching the gospel free of charge is its own reward. Scholar David Gill puts it this way. Traveling orators or sophists might come to Corinth and make a fine speech in the hope of being honored or receive some, or receive some financial reward. Paul's preaching stands in marked contrast because it's done with no expectation of human reward. To those who are challenging Paul's motives, and that is apparently in the background here, Paul doesn't just defend his rights as a preacher, he lays down his rights as a preacher to serve as proof of his divine calling. Again, this is his, this is his apostolic street cred. Street cred matters as a church. A lot of people have been burned and disillusioned by churches for one reason or another. As Christians who get to share the gospel, when we give up our rights, we still gain reward in sharing our good news of God's grace. There's a lot of talk among Christians today about maintaining our rights. And I think there's there's a place for that, for sure. But as Paul shows us here, there can also be a different trajectory of giving up rights, not, not... not pretending they don't exist, but acknowledging the rights you have and then laying them down out of trust for God. And then that can, in some circumstances, give us street cred. I'm not saying there isn't ever a place to stand up for certain things, but we have to think of that carefully in light of a text like this. Paul saying, I got the right. I'm gonna give it up and I'm gonna trust the gospel. I'm I'm gonna do that to show you how much I trust God and in offering the gospel is free of charge. He has the gospel as its own reward. He proves that the gospel has freed him. In sharing freely, Paul lives out the freedom that he's gained. But Paul's not done yet. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So first, Paul acknowledges his right to make a living this way, then he lays it down. Now he's saying, I'm a slave. More specifically, Paul says, to the Jews I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those on the law I became like one on the law, though I myself am not on the law, so as to win those under the law. Paul is all in for reaching the Jewish people. They gave him a ton of flack at times. Read the book of Acts. But that doesn't stop him from entering into their world 
to reach them. To those not having the law, I became like one not having a law. Paul is sensitive to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. He was raised not to include them in his religious beliefs, but that doesn't stop him now from entering into their world to reach them. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. The Greek for weak can also mean sick, ill, helpless, morally weak. Not these impressive high flyers of the day. Quite the opposite. Paul has progressed much further along in his spiritual life than these folks. But that doesn't stop him from entering their world to reach them. The late, great Eugene Peterson translates this text in this way. I love it. He says, I have, this is how Eugene Peterson translates what Paul wrote here. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Mm. Thank you, Eugene. As Christians, we believe Jesus is the only way. No one comes to the Father except through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the church with disciples shaped in the spirit of Paul will have many ways for people to enter into that. We will be malleable, flexible, shapeable in precisely how people meet the God revealed in Jesus Christ. We don't compromise our core themes, our core beliefs, Scripture's authority, the Holy Trinity, the Lordship and resurrection of Christ, his atoning death, his ascension, the call to prayer, worship, service community, lives full of grace, love, truth, so forth. But the precise path to the biblical God who gives us all of this can be straight, it can be windy, it can be up, it can be down, there can be valleys, fields, mountaintops, caves, swamps, and so much else. And in our roles as neighbors and family and friends and citizens, as we move with Paul in becoming all things to all people, we ask maybe this way, then maybe this is the key. When we say to somebody, we ask them, how are you? Often that's kind of a throwaway question. This is one of those questions that we could just toss out there. But Paul's words call us to view that question differently. Paul's call to be all things to all people is, to, is a call to ask this question and really mean it. How are you? That can be a way to really see someone, to see where they're at and meet them there. Do they need a listener? Do they need encouragement? Do they need a challenge? Do they need a particular scripture? Do they just need companionship? Do they need some sort of specific help? Now, when we ask, how are you? We're never on our own. The Holy Spirit is central in the conversation. Scripture says, God has searched and known us in Psalm 139. Jesus himself says, your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him in Matthew 6, 8. 
And so through the Holy Spirit, in union with Jesus, we tune into the Father, and as we listen, we discern, through that question, how are you, in the Spirit, we become shaped to become all things to all people and meet that person where they are. That's where being all things to all people starts in meeting our family and friends, neighbors and fellow citizens. How are you? How's your day going? Sometime I'll ask, I'll ask people in businesses, because it's interesting to me, but it's also a way to assess, how's the business going? How's it doing, right? So this is a call to ask, how are you? And really mean it. So we can really see the people we're called to reach. On a more macro level, a church that moves with Paul in becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means we might save some, that church is gonna be a diverse, dynamic place called a more, not a three-ring circus, maybe a nine-ring circus or a 49-ring circus. All things to all people translates into a church that has a lot going on. As Christians, we believe in Jesus who declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But the one who is the way can reach people any way he wants. As I once heard a minister say, Jesus is the only way, but there are a million ways in Jesus. So a church shaped in this reality, in this Jesus, who is the only way, who can reach people any way he wants, a church shaped in Paul meeting people where they're at, becoming all things, that church will be malleable, flexible, constantly shapeable and reshapeable in how we do that. We provide a lot of space to meet people where they are on the path to get to Jesus. Some people will meet God in the choir, singing praises. Some people will meet God in the garden club with their hands in the soil of our beautiful grounds, going back to Eden, right? Some people will dive right into a Bible study. Some people just need to hear someone pray for them a bunch of times. Some people may thrive on our Alpha Evangelism course here, impressed by Jesus in a new way, on their way to faith in him. Some people, other people may thrive on our Alpha Evangelism course in a different way as Christians who are stoked for sharing their faith or to stoked to know God in a new deeper way. Some families with kiddos may be drawn to our Easter egg hunt coming in March. We just set a date for it, the day before Easter. Some people may be enthralled by the Muckleteo Garden and Quilt Tour that we are going to host here in July. Woo! Of course, it all moves toward the same goal, coming to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit, knowing the forgiveness and grace and purpose and mission that renovates our lives and brings abundant life. We don't compromise on the specifics of our core beliefs, but we contextualize to meet people where they are and walk with them there. Hey, it's slow, messy work. It's hard work. If you like to be in control and keep things tidy, you'll become frustrated. <laughs> if you like quick results, you'll likely be disappointed. This is a call to take the long walk. Take the long walk 
with people through the messiness in life. And your own Christianity will grow as you do that. Don't know where you are in this. Maybe some of us are the people who need to be renovated and reminded to meet people where they are. Maybe others of us are someone, maybe you're being met. Maybe God is wanting to meet you where you are in some of these ways. Don't miss that. Paul assures us that the gospel is going forward. It is its own reward. And as we'll hear from our missionary friends coming to share with us in Taiwan, in their work in Taiwan later, it's moving throughout the world and it's unstoppable. It's an adventure. It's messy, but it's also a thrill. May it be so for you and for me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit on all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.